Hey, welcome to Life Church. We pray this blesses you and empowers you for your week ahead. We hope you enjoy this message. but I just sense such a an encounter with the Holy Spirit right now and I, now it's not just a normal Sunday morning encounter some of you came with such a deep hunger you know hunger levels aren't all the same you ever go to dinner with some people some people are hungrier than others you may find that I'm one of them Today, I think there are some people who showed up to the table with an appetite. You didn't show up with an appetite for my good ideas. As a matter of fact, you, you didn't even put a name on it. You just like, God, I just need you. There's something in my soul, and, and, and specifically, even prophetically, I hear that you have been going through such a tumultuous time in your life, and you have run through all of the things you can do. And when you come to the end of options, this is the most beautiful place you can find. Because the one thing that keeps us out of the throne room are great ideas. As long as you think you've got one more move, you don't need to talk to God. As long as you can still see a path for success, There's no need to stop. 
But a gift for you is that God even allowed your enemy to get in your way. You've been asking God, why? God, I've been praying against Pharaoh and he's getting worse. Whatever your Pharaoh is. I've been praying against debt and it's getting worse. I've been praying against this sickness and it's, it's getting worse. There are some people in your life that are making your life difficult and it's getting worse. But could I suggest to you that maybe God is allowing it to get bad enough so you can become desperate enough to pursue him. What you don't need is a good idea. You don't need to come to church for a tip. Three tips on living a better marriage. Three, six tips. Twelve ways. Fourteen steps. And after you've tried them all, what's crazy is when you see it, it seems like it's working for someone else. It's not working for you. I've got news for you. People aren't being honest with you. The people you think are doing, they're not doing as good as you think. Some of the people that you compare yourself to, you think, man, it seems like everyone else is, anyone else feel like that? It seems like when I come to church, I feel like I'm the only one that can't feel God's presence. No, no, no. Some people are acting. Some people are going, listen, there are more hungry people in the room than you realize. It's not even about coming to church as much as, as it is about having an encounter with God. And God wants this room to be full. He wants this room to be, he wants services to be multiple. He wants, there are more people that need to be here than are here right now. He wants this place. But you know what he wants even more than that? He wants people to leave this room changed. He wants to fill this house, but you know what he wants to fill even more than that? He wants to fill your house. He wants you to start having church at home. He wants you to come here filled with the Spirit, filled with His presence, filled with truth, filled with revelation, so that when you get here, you're ready to be equipped for an assignment to change the world. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm tired of the merry-go-round church experience. Where we come to church to just rah-rah, hear each other speak into an echo chamber, saying things that I've already said, but not being honest about where I really am. Let me just challenge you here. If you would ever get real and honest with God, throw your church face away and get real with God and his people you'll never be the same again. There's, this is not even what I'm preparing to speak on, but there's two things I want to just drop in your heart, especially if you're struggling with sin, a particular sin you're struggling and wrestling with. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. As I just talked about being honest, I'll just set this up and then maybe we'll talk about it later. Listen, there's two things. Some of us, we want to talk to God, but we don't want to talk to each other. You want God to heal you, wash you, cleanse you, make you brand new. And here's what the word says. First John 1 and 9 says, if you confess your sin to God, you know what he'll do? He's faithful and he's just to forgive you. Not only will he forgive you, he will cleanse you, he will wash you. Uh, but but there's, a, there's a but there. If you go to James 5, it says if you confess your sins to each other, you will be healed. 
There's a whole lot of forgiven folks who are still sick folks. Oh no, the blood covers, but you've got a dysfunction in your walk. You're in the house, you're a child, but you can't walk right because you haven't been healed. And God loves you, you are a child of God, but you can never function at your highest level of potential because you're still struggling with something you won't talk to anybody about. I was talking to your pastor last night and he was talking about these concentric circles. At the middle is the being disciple, right? Then outside is becoming a community. And then outside of the community, it is impacting the world in your community. I would say the world. I won't, I won't even stop sure. In, it's impacting Bradford and, and Leeds and Manchester, right? It's a ripple effect. But in the middle of it, true discipleship is, is marked by fellowship with God and fellowship with his people. Uh, if, if you are a creative individual, maybe a worship leader, maybe you, you know, you, you'd write music and all those type of things. I'm talking to everyone, but I want to speak to some of the folks who do what I do. You are not going to be released into your ministry until you're honest about your heart. If you are a pastor or a leader, God's called you even to plan a church, it will not work if you're not honest, because the enemy loves secrets. He loves to hide in your future. Am I in the right church? You guys with me? Y'all quiet up in Bradford. I, I come from a Pentecostal church, so you talk to, talk, talk to me. Say something to me. I want to know if you, you guys are okay with this. Is this okay? <clears throat> this is not what I prepared. I'm going to get to this in a moment. I'm going to, I want to share something on intimacy, but your purpose will be activated at the, at the level of your surrender. And your surrender can't just be private. Your surrender cannot be private. Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you. Because what he's saying is, it's not okay for you to come in the night. You have to make your confession public. And how you do that is coming into a house like this, into a covering of disciple. If you're on the fence, the Holy Spirit says, get off the fence. And I know what this feels like because even as a creative person standing on this platform, I have been on platforms all of my life. My father was a pastor. I was introduced to the platform as a kid before I even got to double digits. I was on the platforms singing. I learned to sing before I learned to worship. I learned to present my talent before I learn how to present my heart. And I learn how to perform before I learn how to be honest. That doesn't just apply to me. Some of us as believers, we've come to church and we've learned how to be nice, but we haven't learned how to be honest. We've learned how to greet, but we haven't learned how to be transparent and vulnerable. How are you doing? 
Okay, maybe in the lobby, maybe the answer is general. How are you? I'm in a crowd of people. Terrible. Maybe not the time. <laughs> maybe. Uh, but, but there should be times in your life where you can trust God enough to be honest with people. This is difficult because when you're in a position of influence, you think that your influence is always at risk. And that even with your children, you feel like my parental influence is at risk. So I'm not going to just tell my children I messed up. Even though they're old enough to know, <laughs> I saw you mess up. Like I, I heard you cuss that man out. Like I heard it. Okay, maybe there's nobody in this room. <laughs> but when we learn to be honest about the things that the Holy Spirit really wants to work on, you're going to release and unlock the greatest overflow in your life. It's a broken spirit and a contrite heart that God will never turn away. This is what was the power of David's life. Of all that he did, unlike the other kings, he never turned his heart from God. And he wasn't just honest with God, but he was straight up with Nathan. And God will honor you for your honesty. I want to walk through over the next few minutes I want to sow into you a seed of intimacy. Um, as a title, this is the model of intimacy. In the book of Exodus, and chapter 32, there is this crisis. The children of Israel are waiting for Moses who went up to Mount Sinai to meet with God. And while they're on the mountain, the children of Israel, they, they get Aaron to make them a, an idol of gold, a golden calf of gold, right? And so he makes this, this idol for them and they're worshiping. And while they're doing this, God tells Moses, hey, Moses, your people that you brought out of Egypt, they've gone astray. You need to quickly get down there, which is, I find it interesting because at that moment, it's just like me and my wife you know, when the kids get to acting crazy, they become my kids. And they're mine now. Any other time, this is my, this is my son. No, this is, that boy, that's your son. God is telling Moses, your people, they've lost it. Moses comes off the mountain, and as they're getting close, they hear a sound, and Moses says, that's not celebration. I mean, that's, that's not a sound of, of, of mourning or, or war. This is a sound of, of celebration. They're having a party down here. And when he gets down there, he sees what's happening. And it's devastating. He has these two tablets that God himself wrote on his law. He, he, he throws them to the ground, breaks them out of anger. He rebukes them. I mean, there's, you can read chapter 32, which is not my goal to go through all that. I'm trying to get to a point here. But all this has happened. This is devastating. I wonder right now, when God looks at America, when God looks at England, 
when God looks at Bradford, I wonder what he's thinking. Because I'm not talking about people who don't know. These are people who he delivered from Egypt. So God's not addressing the world. They are pagans. They are doing exactly what they were doing while you were in Egypt. They're still doing that. But the people I set free, the people I delivered, they grew impatient waiting on me. And instead of waiting for me to do it, they created a way for themselves. Moses is talking to God and he says, maybe I can do something about this. And he talks to God and he says, and God says to Moses, I'm going to kill everyone. I'm going to keep you. (laughs) But everyone else is going to die. Moses pleads with God, please spare him. Chapter 33, God is having a conversation with Moses And this conversation continues, but in verse 7 through 11, this narrative I've been describing to you takes a quick pause. And then there's this reference for about five verses describing Moses' intimacy with God. In the middle of of a crisis, the worst of his life to this point, Exodus 33, verse 7, says this in the NLT. It was Moses' practice. In the middle of a crisis, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the the camp. And everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. When, whenever Moses, come on, whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in their, at the entrances of their own tent and they would all watch him. Verse 11 says this, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face, face to face. As one speaks to a friend. In the middle of chaos, Moses does what he normally does. That's heavier than you think. That's way bigger than you think. In the middle of the worst time in his life, he resorts to his normal practice. Do you want to to know what makes your crisis worse? your practices. In a crisis, if you've got the wrong practice, and here it is, just because you go to church doesn't mean you're going to intuitively do this because what you, you, don't, you don't rise to the occasion, you fall to your practice. You don't level up when, when the heat is on, you level to your practice. So if your practice is complaining, If your practice is losing your temper, whenever something hits you, you lose awareness of reality and you get disoriented and in disorientation, you will fall to what's natural to you. 
This is why when Moses got down to the bottom of the mountain, he, he, he leveled to his practice of anger. Just a little, it's just hidden in the story. His practice was also was the presence, but he also had another practice of getting angry and throwing stuff. <laughs> he has his practice. Moses practice. He pitched a tent. And in this passage, it just steps away from the narrative and talks about the way he pitched this tent. He, he would pitch, pitch this tent outside the camp. And he would go there and he would meet with God. That's number one. N- number, number two, he, he, w- w- what happened in the tent is God would speak to him face to face like friends do. This is a picture of not just intimacy, but vulnerability, closeness, honesty. And would you, would you, would you ever think that Moses would get in this tent and be face to face with God? And then God asked him, how you doing, Moses? And then Moses say, I'm, I'm good. See, this is, this is the perfect place for you to get real with God. Moses talks to God like a friend. How do you talk to your friend? How you doing? Mad as fire. And that's a nice, nicely put, because some of y'all, the way y'all talk to y'all friends, I can't do that here. Okay? But he talks to him face to face like friends. But it doesn't just talk to God face to face. He models intimacy for the people because it says that as he's in this place talking to God that the other people, what they would do whenever he did this, they would watch. As a matter of fact, they would come to the entrances of their tents. They would even say, hey, Moses, when you talk to God, would you tell him I got, you know, talk about my kids, tell him about my kids. And they would submit their prayer requests. Maybe they wrote them down on tablets and he had all these tablets of stone. That would have been really uncomfortable, difficult, inconvenient. But he, however they gave him their prayer request, he took that into his tent. And when he went to the tent, you, you can see more of what happened because in, in 2 Corinthians 3, it talks about how he, he would go into the tent and when he would come out, his face would be shining with the glory of God. This is not at church. And see, some of us want the glory here, but the glory here is a result of the glory somewhere else. See, there's no glory here if there's no glory there. And let me tell you why. This is all about you storing the, when you ask for the glory of God, God's question is, if I show you my glory, where are you going to put it? If you want me to show up, if you want me to show up so you can look good in front of people in a public place, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing those games with you. I'm not into that. I'm into authenticity. I'm into real. I'm into what's real, what's honest. What if you want to be? If you want to, l- listen. Get healed. Let me hear you. Let's talk straight, and then I'll I'll show up. But I'm not gonna do it to make you look good. 
he modeled it. But here's, here's, here's what's even more amazing. He had a Joshua with him. And it says that Joshua would, would assist him, the son of Nun, and he would remain behind him in the tent. You, do you understand your influence? Your greatest opportunity for influence is not public. It's in a tent. You can move more in the world after you've moved more in the heavenly realm. If you pitch a tent, your influence cannot be stopped. Your intimacy with God is the engine of your influence. And why would God give you a platform when you've not met with him? You've got nothing to say. And that's not an insult. Man of God, woman of God, I'm not insulting you, but you don't have a word yet. You got a calling, you've got potential, you're redeemed, you're awesome, you're amazing. You don't have a word yet. Because you haven't pitched your tent yet. When you pitch your tent, I don't even know how to describe what I feel right now. And I'm not talking about once a week. I'm talking about time with God every day. Notice, this, this is something that is not convenient. He has to go outside, take his tent, and to pitch means to spread. So that means he would go out, he would set this tent up, he put some intentional effort into it. So this does not mean praying in the car on the way somewhere else, doing something else while listening to your favorite song. This does not mean just praying on the go. You know, like, and it's, God, I'm busy, but if you wouldn't mind, follow me. It's like when someone says, hey, pastor, hey, can I talk to you? Yeah, I'm walking to the office. You can talk to me on the way to the office. So what's going on with you? You okay? It's your wife? She's, oh, you guys aren't getting along? Do you want that counseling meeting? Your wife says, hey, can we talk? Can we talk about the finances? Yeah, talk to me. I'm going to go in here. Could you just tell me what's on your mind? That's, that is not the kind of conversation where you get things done. I've got to skip through this because I'm way over my time, I think almost. So I want to give you guys some homework. Can you describe your tent? If I were telling your story right now, if I, would, if I were telling your story, whatever, and if, if you're going through a major crisis right now, something in your life is really off the rails and you're not ashamed to raise your hand and let other folks know that they're not the only ones in the room having a tough time right now. Come on, lift a hand. Come on, let's just be honest in here. If there's something in your life that seems like it's gotten a little bit bigger than you expected it to get, there's a challenge. Come on. Okay, listen, listen, listen. Whatever that is, if I were telling the story of this, is there an Exodus 33, 7 through 11 that I can describe about you? If I had to describe your practice, what would it be? If I were telling your story, what would I say? Here's another question for parents, parents, and future parents. When your children tell your story, will they include your tent? Jesus. Your kids are going to tell your story. 
And it's not too late for you to get one. Some of your kids' story is going to be, you know, we used to go to church. When I, when I was little, my dad and my mom, we went to church, and we didn't really talk about God too much. But around 20, you know, 2023, I think it what's this? what's today's date? October the 22nd? Somewhere around October, I remember that week. You know, service was great, I guess. And, and no, but I just remember when we got home, I, he- I heard my, my mom that next morning. And then I heard her the, 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 on Tuesday. And it's like, it seemed like I started hearing my, as a matter of fact, my mom started coming in my room and laying her hand on me while I was asleep. I, you know what? It was around October of, of last year, or maybe a few years back, that this guy, you know, this freckle-faced, handsome guy, came to our church, and he talked about intimacy. And my dad, he, he was never the same. I mean, he, he would pray. I mean, I mean he, had a, he had a prayer room and a prayer chair and a prayer Bible and a prayer journal. I mean, like he went all in and we prayed as a family and he sought the Lord. And I just, I can remember how we stopped just going to church and he, his life changed. He started teaching Bible classes and he went and he started a small group and then he would bring people to our home and he would teach them how to walk with Jesus. And I watched my dad and I learned to pray. I learned to read the word I learned to stop complaining and start confessing I learned from my father and this is one thing I want to change the narrative of people talking about praying grandmothers I love it but I would love to hear about some praying fathers and some praying granddads that prayed until they changed things until God I just want to stop every man jump up to your feet every man jump jump every man come on every male We are not confused about what that means here. I want you to lift your hand right now. I want to pray for every man in here. Women, don't get jealous. I'm not going to pray for you today. But I'm going to pray for these guys that are going to change your lives. Because some of you have been praying for men around you. You've been praying for your husbands. You've been praying for your sons. You've been praying for your uncles. You've been praying for your pastors. But God's about to anoint the men in this room with, an, with a grace for intimacy that's going to overflow and change everything you've been praying for God. God's going to do it. in a, It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a man that God's going to somehow use to start leading the community in a way that will change the reality. It, leaders and pastors and come on, whatever the positions are, your positions will change. I, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a grace for intimacy over every man to make a decision today to leave this room and seek your face. And no matter what they see, they won't stop. They won't stop praying. They won't stop crying out to you. And I pray that you will put an anointing on them, a grace on them for honesty and authenticity, to model intimacy with God and with each other, to have conversations to say enough is enough. I don't need to struggle in in private or in silence. I'm bringing another brother into this challenge. I'm bringing another man. I'm bringing another person to walk with me because I'm tired of the cycle and the merry-go-round. I'm ready for the release. I don't just want potential. I want release. And I pray that in Jesus' name, you can be seated. I've got one more thing I want to say. I want to give you three Three prayer closet necessities. And this is what I want you to keep. 
Number one, you need a time. Especially for the leaders. This is for everyone. You need a time. The Lord interrupted my life some years ago and he says, Michael, I love the, the praying without ceasing. I think it's great. But you don't have times that you keep with me. You want to know how priorities are marked? Your calendar. And if God can't get on it, it's a problem. Choose a time. Number, number two, a place. This is so important because there, through the Bible, you see these encounters were at places. And, and God goes through the trouble to ensure that we get the names of these places. Jesus always chose a place. It wasn't always the same place. In Mark 135, it says Jesus would get up early. 135, Mark 1, he would get up early and go to a place, an isolated place, and he would pray. Listen, you need a place. I want to, this is your homework. Choose a time, choose a place. I want to recommend you do this the first thing you get. If you don't have lots of time in the morning, choose a time, choose a place. Give it to God. I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to even spoon feed you this and say, give God two minutes. It's okay. Just a Christian. You're not perfect. No, 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 no. You give, you, you give the TV, you give Netflix more than two minutes. There, there is not a show that's two minutes long. There's not even a YouTube video you'd like to watch that's two minutes. Can God get more than two minutes? And can he get some time that's not you reading a paragraph that somebody else wrote about God for the day? Could you sit with him and you just seek him for yourself? And even if you don't know what to say, maybe you'll learn what to say if you stay long enough. Choose a place and last but not least, choose a rhythm. A rhythm is a pace that you keep. During the song we were singing, there's in my ears, there's this thing called the click. Click, 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 click. And if, if ever you see me doing like this, it's because I, I, I can't hear the click. <laughs> and I'm looking for the time because I'm looking for the rhythm. Because when I lock into the rhythm, I can release the song in rhythm and a song is always better when there's a rhythm and the more of this that there are the clearer the rhythm needs to be your rhythm needs to be clear enough for your family your rhythm needs to be clear enough for your church it needs to be loud enough for you to hear and reference daily so that you can walk with God and release in the world what God's called you to release a time, a place, a rhythm. Would you stand to your feet? I, I want you guys to choose a time. There's a song I wrote called Walk With You, and I'm going to give this to you as homework. This is homework. So choose your time, your place, your rhythm, right? I want you guys to listen to a song called Walk With You. This song, Walk With You, is a song that God gave me in my time, place, and rhythm. And in that time, I began to journal what the Lord was telling me. I would write, and every day I write a little bit more, write a little bit more. And then I went, and I was working on this album, and I wrote a song with some friends, and we opened the journal, and we just spent time with God, like, what? How can we sing what God's been doing? 
And I sang this song. I want to walk with you and talk with you. Hear you speaking. Feel you breathing. Walk with you and talk with you. I want to hear you speaking. Feel you breathing. Walk with you. I want to walk with you. I want you to take that home in your time, your place, set a rhythm. And when you wake up in the morning, I want to challenge you to change your alarm. Wake up an hour earlier, 30 minutes earlier, and give God some time. The course of your life will change in accordance to your tent. And if you get into a crisis, there's two great times to pitch a tent. Before a crisis and in the middle of one. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray that this would move from a sermon to a personal lifestyle directional message that we will leave here convicted to never be the same again. I pray, God, that you would touch men, women, couples, leaders, mothers, fathers, teenagers, not to just pray for breakthrough, but for intimacy and to establish a practice that would change this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We pray you feel encouraged by this word. We would love to hear from you, so why not connect with us via the website at lifechurchhome.com or on our socials at Life Church Home. Have a blessed week and we'll see you soon.